podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Live in the Stream. Hey, fantasy footballers, welcome to another edition of Live in the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson. On Twitter, you can find me at LateRoundQB. And I'm joined, of course, by my co host, Denny Carter. Denny, what is going on, man? Hey, not much. Uh, you you, you want to know what I'm not doing right now? What's that? I'm not eating barbecue sunflower seeds. That's good. Which I think it's critical because we actually got a complaint on Twitter today <laughs> about my eating of sunflower seeds. And in hindsight, after you know, re-listening to the last podcast from last week, I, I'll say that that listener has a point. My speech was was definitely um, slurred due to the uh, due to the sunflower season. In fact, I think that's why I called um, Carson Palmer an Asian quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so was that was that the second time you listened to the podcast? Or I'm assuming it's like the 47th, right? Uh, no, 52nd. But yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, right. it's around that it's around that time. Yeah, and uh, uh, anyway, uh, so I apologize for that, everyone, and I, I promise it won't happen again. My wife actually lectured me on it, so I'm done with that. Wow, and I can I can see him via video right now, and there he's he has nothing in his mouth. Nothing. Other than a potential sip of beer, potentially. Uh, potential, potential. I might have water in this beer bottle. You, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, tonight I think we're going to talk a little bit about auction drafts. I, I don't, I don't think that's actually what we're going to do. <laughs> we're not just making this up as we go. Um, and uh, I actually, I got to give a little shout out to our buddies Austin Lee and Alex Melio. I don't know if you saw this, Denny, on Twitter. I did. But. Uh, Apparently they they did their their quick snap uh, Google Hangout today, and they talked about auction drafts. And I just want to give them a shout out. Sorry guys, but yeah. everyone everyone should go check them out. It's Austin Lee and Alex Melio. You guys should know them on Twitter. If not, just hit me up, and I'll shoot you guys a link to it because I'm sure theirs is going to be better than ours. Yeah, I, I would say so. And, and also, uh, I think uh, this kind of overlap shows that we are just desperate for something to talk about right now. So I mean, desperate. I, not that auction drafts are irrelevant by any means, but uh, I mean, we're dying, right? We're, we're most definitely dying. I, I mean, I, I told, I told fantasy douche today that I'm like this close to writing 2000 words on Peyton Manning, ironing his khakis <laughs> and, and, and what that means for Jacob Tammy, you know I mean? It just, yeah, it's, it's definitely that dead time. And I, it, you know, it's dead time when the ESPYs are on. Oh. And, and right now we're recording this as the SBs are going on, and I'm not even remotely afraid about missing them, A, because it's the SBs, but B, because ESPN airs them the, the following day 47 times. I think yeah. it's the second time I've used number 47 in this podcast. <laughs> that's weird. That is a little strange. I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, we're going we're gonna to talk a little about, about auction drafts, uh, and then you know we, we had some questions on Twitter. We'll hopefully get to and then maybe we'll talk about some other news some other things that Denny and I have written uh recently for our respective sites so uh yeah I think that's that's really it do you want to start getting into I think I think you should you should talk about your your new gig yeah okay I'll do that so uh I'm I'm now at numberfire.com you guys should check them out awesome site uh, the team over there is fantastic. I'm going to be writing some content over there. You guys have probably already seen me uh, tweet out a bunch of content. I think I've written four articles already so far this week. Um, but I'm just just going to be crushing the content. Uh, finally, living the dream on living the stream. <laughs> so I, I love it. It's exciting. I'm just trying to you – know, you guys should really check out the site. It's got phenomenal analytics. It's really, really interesting stuff. Um, and they, they, they do it right. They're, they're very accurate. Uh, they, they help you win fantasy championships. And I'm just there to kind of take, that, take those numbers and show you guys how awesome they really are. Yeah, and, and I, I would say just uh, from, from my time on the site over the last couple of weeks, uh, I, I would say it provides a lot of really good matchup-based information, which is you know what, what, what you and I will be focusing on 
in in the next month and then into the uh, uh, regular season. Uh, so uh, definitely, you know, take a look and and uh, see see what you could find that could help you because I think there's a lot there. Yeah, some some truly math geniuses that are over there, and that's that's what's made uh, the site be successful in such a short amount of time. So check it out, numberfire.com. I'm going to be writing tons and tons of content on the site. Um, so you'll see me, uh, promoting them quite a bit on Twitter. So if you get angry at me for doing that, (laughs) I'm sorry, it's not going to stop. Um, so anyway, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about auction drafts. Are you, do you like auction drafts? Well, you know, I was actually, uh, kind of going to defer to you a little bit here because, (laughs) I'm relatively new to auction drafts. I've probably only done a handful in my <laughs> in my whole life, uh, so uh, I I don't follow like a really you know strict set of rules um, in 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 you know percentages that I'll spend on uh, certain uh, positions or uh, anything to that effect. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't just wing it. I mean, I have a some some something of a plan, but um, I know that uh, you know just judging from our conversations and from things that you've written, you're pretty passionate about auctions. So yeah. I, I would say, uh, I would say you, you, you shoot first and, and t- tell the people what, you know, how you uh, dominate an auction. Yeah. So I've, I've actually, uh, Roto world came to me, uh, I think in like June or so I've written two auction pieces for them, for their magazines. Uh, auctions are definitely, uh, types of, I've, I've been doing them probably for five or six years, I'd say pretty consistently. Um, but they, they, they really allow you to have the dream team. They allow you to get the exact team that, that you're, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get. So, you know, how you typically go into a draft, a snake draft, and you kind of have a list of guys that you're targeting, but at times during that draft, you're, you might be at an anchor spot and you're not able to get a particular player. Like for instance, you know, you might have the, the first overall pick and you get AP, and then the second round you get someone else, and then the third round you really want Lamar Miller, but you're not going to use a, pi- a 3.1 pick on Lamar Miller because you know that he's not going to go until the late third, early fourth round. So what auction drafts obviously allow you to do is have that flexibility and freedom to just get whoever the hell you want, and it's awesome. Uh, so in, in the case of, of auctions, just a real quick kind of overview of what they are, you know, you get a, a certain amount of budget. Usually, a lot of people do it on ESPN because their interface is really good. Um, you'll get a $200 budget on ESPN. And then, you know, each is say you're in a 12-team league. Each team has $200. And from there, you bid up on players that are nominated by other league mates. And you try to, to win those players via auction, just like any other auction that you would, you know, participate in. Maybe on eBay, but it's real time. And more real time than eBay, like 90 seconds, 30 seconds. So um, there's a lot of questions, you know, I get, I get, I get a ton of questions and I know that Denny's going to be able to, you're going to be able to answer this, you know, because of the late round quarterback strategy and because of tight end streaming, what does that mean for auction drafts? Does it differ in auction drafts? And from a very high level, and we can dig into this in just a second, but from a very high level, the way that you have to think about auction drafts is late round equals cheap early round equals expensive. And it's, it's as simple as that, but obviously, um, you know, it, it gets more complicated uh, as you try to get more and more accurate. Right. So I guess what we should, we should first talk about is, is the actual quarterbacks and, and tight ends in these auction drafts. So let's say you have a $200 budget. Uh, how much are you willing to spend on a quarterback in a completely, you know, a, a redraft league? A lot of auction leagues uh, are, are keeper leagues, and when that's the case, instead of keeping, you know, the round that you drafted that particular player in, you're going to keep the dollar value. I'm in a couple leagues where you keep the player plus an inflation rate. So every year you're you're keeping a player, but for more and more money, so you're not just keeping Arian Foster for your life. Right, uh, $5. Right. Yeah, for fi- $5 for forever and ever and ever. Uh, but to some people that would, they, they wouldn't even keep them this year, the way that they're handling <laughs> Arian Foster. Right. They would be like Ben Tate, uh, $20, Arian yeah. Foster five, period. Exactly. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can approach, uh, the, the, the quarterback and tight end area. But like I said, late round equals cheap. Uh, so really what you should be aiming for in all auction drafts is spending a dollar or two on your quarterbacks mm-hmm. and tight ends. And it's, it's really that simple. And I know, it really it has the same type of idea 
that a snake draft has in that if you're the last one to get a quarterback, I think auction drafts are, are even uh, better suited for LRQB this year because that first tier is obviously 12 deep. Mm-hmm. So when you get to that 12th quarterback, people are not going to want to spend money. They might they might just you know select a guy in round eight and not really think about it. But whenever there's a guy staring them at the face, they might not bid him up because they don't necessarily want him on, on their team. So I think in auction drafts this year, if you're the 12th guy to get a quarterback, you could really, really be uh, benefiting uh, heavily if you're getting a Tony Romo for just a few dollars. Right. And I, I would say one thing that's worked for me in the, in the couple um, auctions that I've done this year are, uh, is um, uh, nominating uh, elite quarterbacks early, very early. Exactly. With, with, your, with your first, I don't know, five, six, sometimes as, as many as six uh, uh, picks, you know, you not nominate, uh, you know, the, the, the Brady's, the Rogers, the breezes, uh, guys that, that you don't want, but you know that, you know, early in the draft when everybody's flush with cash, you know, everybody has their, you know, just say uh $200 budget just to use round figures. Uh, and, 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 you know, they, they, they feel good about where they are cause they're nowhere cause no one's anywhere. And you know they're they're much more willing to spend a lot of cash at that moment than they will be when they're down to the last twenty bucks. So right. um, that that really that's really worked out for me this year. Yeah, and a lot of people uh, live and die by the throw elite players up early uh, because you're trying to get other teams to spend more money because they have that money. Uh, I'm not necessarily. I, I definitely believe in that with with quarterbacks because you know going into the draft that you're not going to spend a lot of money on elite quarterbacks. But there's not. It, it's not to say that I won't spend a lot of money on Adrian Peterson. I have no idea. I, I don't mind having Adrian Peterson. I know that I don't want to get an, an expensive quarterback because that's that goes against everything that I'm about. But I I think the uh, the one thing that you have to really understand with auction drafts is flexibility. It is easily easily more you need to be more flexible in auction drafts than compared to snake drafts you yeah. you have to know what's going on you have to know players you have to understand player values and that's that's one question that i got on twitter that we both got on twitter was about how you value uh guys in an auction draft how do you take uh your rankings and associate a dollar value to them and it's a really difficult thing to do it's not it's not something that you know comes as naturally as just ranking players and then selecting them as, as your turn comes uh, in snake drafts. But what what I would say to do is to think of each pick as a, as a certain equity. Uh-huh. So if, if the first pick in the draft is X and then the second pick in the draft is X plus one and then the third pick is X plus two and so on and so forth, you have a pretty linear gap. There's no, there's no room for... So if, if you're picking Adrian Peterson at X and then Arian Foster at X plus one, you're only gaining that plus one in equity. There's not, even if Adrian Peterson is light years and light years better than Arian Foster in terms of production, it doesn't really matter in terms of your actual draft equity. But what you need to realize is with, with auction drafts, you really need to know your tiers, and you really need to know where those drop-offs occur because that's where you can maximize uh, the value with your particular players that you're trying to select. Sure, sure. And... Uh, I, I actually uh, the flexibility uh, point is, is is a really good thing to keep in mind because uh, I mean you know in in, um, in in standard redraft leagues uh, snake drafts uh, you, you're going to run into you know spots uh, especially in the middle of the draft where you say oh man you know I, I usually would take you know receiver X here. But running back Y is available, and I know ne- I never thought he would be at this point, but he is, and he would be, you know, in my estimation, a huge value at this point. So instead of doing, you know, what the plan was, what your your original plan was, you go along, you you go with the value, you know, you 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 switch gears right in the middle there, and that that seems to happen more with auction drafts, I think, because. There's, uh, you know, a, a lot more variation in how people value uh, players as far as um, as far as dollar value goes, um, and I guess you can also get in trouble um, in some in some instances with with, with kind of going off script. Uh, I, that actually happened to me in a, a dynasty um, a startup uh, auction draft that I was in with a bunch of guys. Um, 
uh, from uh, Dynasty League Football, and uh, they um, they had me going really high on Dennis Pitta, and I wanted to make sure that you know someone didn't get a deal on him, so I kept I kept pushing and pushing, and I because feel, you love him, and 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 because I'm going to name my second child. Uh, you know, Pitta Carter. So yeah, I was gonna say, don't name him Dennis. It has to be Pitta. No, just Pitta Carter. And uh, uh, my wife's okay with it, uh, no matter what she says. And uh, so anyway, I got, I, I just got stuck. You know, eventually I got stuck with him, and I paid. I and I'm, I'm really like, it's gonna probably take me a good calendar year to get over this. Um, I paid like three and a half times more than what I could have paid for. Uh, Martellus Bennett or Jermichael Finley, and I I know people hate Finley, but come on, is is Pitta really three to four times more valuable than than Finley? No, I I overpaid big time because right. I got greedy and I sort of, you know, got out of control with that flexible that I was trying to be flexible and that ended up biting me in the ass. So yeah. I think uh, it's it's important to kind of watch yourself too. Yeah, the one really interesting thing I think with auction drafts too is so many of us rely on uh, ADP data for for our selections. So if you're not if you're not particularly confident, you know, let's say you're playing with a bunch of noobs and you're not particularly confident in a in a selection, um, you're able to just go to Fantasy Football Calculator, or My Fantasy League, and look at the ADP data and say. Oh well, how did how did the rest of the world? How did the rest of the degenerates actually draft these players? And you can say, oh, I, I can wait. But with with auction drafts, there's really not that much data out there because it takes so freaking long to do an auction draft. Yeah, I I I, I grew three beards one time <laughs> while doing an auction draft. Like it was just it was out of control. And it, it's they take forever, and it, like you can't mock draft with an auction. You just can't do it, and yeah. and you can't. I think part of it too is that you just can't be passive. Like you have to constantly be paying attention to who's being nominated and and like like sometimes when I'm doing an auction draft, I really have to go to the bathroom and I have to wait and see who's getting nominated so then I know that I can get up and go to the bathroom. Right, exactly. That, that's it's intense. It gets very intense. Yeah, so but, the, the the two lessons are bring a razor to <laughs> auction drafts and also don't get fecal matter on your computer if you bring your computer into the bathroom to continue your draft. I think those, those are two lessons, guys. Good thing I'm not doing one tonight. As I told Denny before we started the podcast, I had Indian tonight. So oh. it's, it's, it's a good thing that uh, there might no be an intermission. Draft. There might be an intermission, guys. Yeah, we might have to we might have to halt the podcast for a second. Right. But but I think that the the key there is is not about the razors and and going to the bathroom. I think it's. <laughs> I think I know <laughs> it's it's uh, the, the idea that you really do need to know football. You need to know value and understand that your ranking tiers and, and where, um, you know, value actually exists. So, you know, I'll, I'll just throw out an example. There's there's an obvious, you know, top eight or nine running backs this season that, that everyone seems to agree on. Um, my strategy is to not necessarily go for one of the first... First of all, remember that tiers are groupings of players that are fairly interchangeable in rank, meaning their rank is based on point output and point projections. So if you get one guy and not the other, this guy and not the other guy, it, there's there's really no big difference. It's it's going to come down to sheer luck in your mind, whether or not like the guy gets hurt or whether or not the guy just goes off or whatnot. So I think you got to remember that uh, going in. So if you have nine running backs at the top in your first tier, including that Adrian Peterson, Arian Foster, and down the list, if you have nine guys that are fairly interchangeable in rank, the strategy that I'm going with this year, I might be thinking too deeply into this, but I'm trying to get one of the, maybe the fourth or fifth one of those that are nominated because I feel like at that point, it's almost like an, like a parabola where you're, you're, you're thinking about the, the, the cost of one of those first couple guys might be pretty high because people are excited and they have a lot of money to spend. And then as you nominate a few more of those, you know, the, the cost might go down a little bit. But then towards the tail end, there's people are starting to panic because the, the tier is about to end and they start to freak out. So as the tier is, is coming to a close and you want to try to get one of those guys, you start to, to uh, price them up a bit. So, mm-hmm. you know, my strategy, usually those guys, for whatever reason, they end up being like a LaShawn McCoy or Jamal Charles. And then, because people usually nominate um, down down the rankings list. So if you think about 
maybe the fifth or sixth ranked running back. Those are those are typically the guys uh, that end up on my team uh, auction draft wise. Yeah, and and you can really mold. A, you know, the best thing about auctions is 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 uh, if you do it correctly, um, you can mold your team to what you had in your mind before before it started. You know, in redraft, that that just doesn't happen. You you. Almost every read. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying redraft. Snake draft. With her, with every snake draft, you end up with a team that doesn't look really remotely close to what you know you you pictured in your head beforehand. Uh, right. Just a guy, you know, like every and not everybody, but a lot of people know. I I really like Matt Forte this year in in, in Mark Tressman's offense. Um, so I would love to have him on every every one of my teams, but I can't. If I have an early pick in a in a redraft, I'm in a snake draft league. Right. If I have the second pick in a snake draft, I'm not going to pick Matt Forte. You know, um, I'm going to be forced into picking. You know, one, you know, uh, Peterson, Martin, Charles, some someone like that. So you can really shape your team how how you want to in that in that circumstance. Yeah, I think that's the the best part about auction drafts is you can have exactly what you want. And, and the one thing with with 2013 is as I, I've talked about with Fantasy Douche many times, is every position is deep. Every position... The, the fifth round is full of third rounders from last season. Right, yeah. It weight, weight on every position, right? Right. And it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, the late round everything is the way that you could sincerely approach the draft this year. And, and like I said, late equals cheap. So, you know, honestly, I would, I would put a premium on running backs because I always do. I would I would load up on those middle middle round middle tier receivers, load up on them, and then you know maybe get an elite one, and then I would go cheap with tight end and quarterback. I think that's going to be my strategy this year, plain and simple. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that that's best. I think that um, uh, nominating guys like if if you if you're definitely going to wait on Jimmy Graham. Um, you know, then, then I'm sorry, if you're definitely going to wait on tight ends, then just nominate Jimmy Graham early and let, let people go crazy. A recent yeah. uh, auction draft I was in, people went back and forth on Jimmy Graham for like, like three hours. It was a, it was a slow draft, but it was unbelievable the the price that he went for. Man, I'm glad that was a slow draft. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be a lot of shaving. No, it would be, <laughs> especially for you, Mr. Beard. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So we have some questions on Twitter. Um, this one's from from Tim Madsen at Madsen Tim. That's awesome. Uh, your opinion on best value running backs for 2013 would be great with an eight. There's a number eight in his in his question. Great. Gr eight. Yes. Also, one player you would build your team around tanks. Thx. <laughs> so, so. What, who's who's your best value running back for 2013? Because that would be great with an eight, if you told us. Great with an eight, you know. Look at great. And, with and I think this will equate very nicely to auction drafts because you can easily <laughs> get this guy. Right. Well, I mean, great. Great with an e a e a t at the end is is different. Yeah, of course. I would say, uh, I, well, you know, I listen. I know, like, the Lamar Miller hype train is going full force. True, true. I think I saw like a 30 tweet exchange today on. Who owns the rights to to that you know hype train? So oh um, listen, that, you know that that guy is going to be going be, before Adrian Peterson by August. So let's just you know get oh, real on his sure. current. It, just wait till wait till Vontae Leach signs with them. And, right. Oh my God, it's gonna oh. Twitter's gonna explode. Oh. He his ADP is oh is God. most definitely book it. It will most definitely for that next week be in the in the late second round. I, yeah, I, and I could see it creeping into like the middle second round, honestly. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I, I would love to see the Vontae Leach thing happen. It's just that's how people react. Yep. Yeah, and you know, I guess it depends on what kind of league you're drafting in. But I, I think he right now, if you're having an auction like tomorrow morning, then I would say Miller represents a nice value um, there among running backs. I think Sproles, if you're in PPR, oh, yeah. represents. A great value, not because he you can get him for super cheap, but because 
you know, I mean, if the guy's upright for 16 games, he's going to catch eight. He's going to catch 80 passes this year. He's yeah. just, it, it's going. It's going to happen. He missed three games last year. He led the whole league in in receptions among running backs it, by a long shot. It wasn't close. So, um, you know, th- those are two guys that jump out. I mean, Chris Ivory. We still don't really know exactly it, how he'll be used. But even if he's just a first and second down back, yeah. like, like Alfred Morris in Washington. I think he he represents a major value too. Yeah, I agree. Those are both those are all great picks with an eight. I <laughs> I uh, I definitely agree with you with Ivory, and it, it is crazy to me how how undervalued Darren Sproles is in any league format. It, it, like at first, I thought it was just standard leagues, and it, like he was going in the late fourth round in standard leagues, and I had written an article on LateRoundQB.com about how his numbers the last two seasons have equated to an RB14 in standard leagues, which is absurd. And you're getting him at the, at the end of the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in PPR leagues, I'm, I'm looking at mock drafts and such, and he's still at times going at the, in, at the beginning of the third round, and that doesn't make any sense to me. It really it makes doesn't. no sense to me. So I'm, I would definitely, definitely target Sproles uh, as a value pick. Like you said, Chris Ivory, who I was going to mention, I mean – I, I don't know as you go further down the list. I mean, the, the late round, like once you get into that, like sixth, sixth round and later, the, the Gio Bernards and the, and the Ben Jarvis Green Ellis's and the Daryl Richardson, who now everyone is loving. Uh, Cause Silva did a great breakdown uh, on Daryl Richardson. Um, but it, it's really hard to get excited about any of those, you know? Um, so, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely in the same boat as you with, with the Sproles and Ivory picks. Yeah, I would say I, Ivory's um, departure from New Orleans mm. uh, makes Pierre Thomas. That's I right. Think. Yeah, that's a good choice. You know? I mean, look at Pierre Thomas is not going to get 20 touches a game, not even close. But um, you know, th- there's there's a vacancy there with Ivory gone, and I I just don't believe that Ingram is a fit for that offense. I I don't think the the Saints know how to use Ingram. Um, there's been a lot written about that this this year, how he's just not a good fit. And Pierre Thomas is, a, you know, a usable running back in a lot of ways. I mean, um, I think I think he could represent, you know, probably. I, I mean, if you compare his potential value to his current ADP, he could represent the biggest value among running backs this year. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm looking at ADP data right now from Fantasy Football Calculator, and he is the 48th running back off the board. Man. He's in 12-team leagues. He's being drafted in the middle of the 11th round around Zach Stacy and Jaquiz Rogers. Yeah, right. I mean, and that's a little nuts. I mean, I, I would take Thomas over those guys all day. Yeah, and and, and honestly, if, if you're a believer uh, of, of what, what people are saying out of Denver – I'm not. I'm not necessarily buying either way yet with the uh, running back by committee system or not. Ronnie Hillman could be a great value as well. I'm not. I'm not necessarily advocating this, but if you're not a big Monty Ball fan, he Ronnie Hillman right now has a late 11th, early 12th round ADP wow. as the 50th running back off the board. So if you do believe in that situation and Hillman may be getting more uh, more opportunity in Denver, then then I would snag him. I'm not necessarily, like I said, advocating that, but I think that that's where potential value could be sure sure um and then i think he had another, who who would you build your team around i don't know if that's really like a, a real question yeah i don't like, know I, mean, I don't know if that's a thing like it's is it a thing is that a thing that that yeah i mean you you mean like it, it's not dynasty right it's redraft. right it's not dynasty it's it's i mean it's, I, I always redraft. i always well almost always build my team around at least one to two, you know, elite running backs. Right. So I, exactly. if that's, if that's an answer, I, I, I hope it is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm not like, I mean, I, I need, I would need to interview them all and see if they're, they're good character guys. <laughs> right. If I'm building my team around them. <laughs> uh, but you know, yeah, just like you said, I, I, I'm not really that opposed to you trying to get two of the, of the big, you know, nine or 10 running backs this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Um, right. Exactly. But, but I do think I do think that there's a pot- a potential for a fairly significant drop off in production uh, after the Forte and Steven Jackson tier. Yeah, I could yeah. I could see that happening, and I, I'm I'm getting more and more uh, 
interested in Chris Johnson. That sounded really bad. Like I'm really into him, <laughs> but I, I, like Chris Johnson, everything, everything that I'm like, I'm thinking about it more and more better offensive line. Sean Green's there. I know it's Sean Green, but he's not, I mean, come on. Sean Green's more of a narrative than an actual horrible football player. Yeah, right? no, he's not. He, well, oh, I, wait, you're saying he's not horrible. I don't think he's horrible. No, I'm, exactly. It's more of a narrative that he is horrible. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's he's not good. I'm not saying that he's good. Mm-mm. I'm I'm just I'm I'm saying that right now because I know people are gonna listen to this and be tweeting at me while they're listening to this, saying that I'm an idiot for thinking that Sean Green is good. Yeah, no, but, no, no, not at all. But but I think that it's a good value add for for Tennessee. It's a it's a it's the right it's it's the right fit for them and to help Chris Johnson. Yeah, you know, I I um I don't know. I the the whole thing about Chris Johnson getting 300 touches even with Green in that backfield. Yeah, I don't buy that. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't. I mean, I just can't buy it. Also, uh, Chris Wessling from um, NFL Around the League uh, had a really good article on Sean Green and how, you know, he wasn't just not bad in the in the last six to eight weeks of, of 2012. He was good in a lot of them. And yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think he could chip into Chris Johnson's workload a little more than people are comfortable with. Um, I'm not saying that definitely will happen, but, uh, you know, if you're looking at the range of possibilities for, for any player, I think that the possibility that Sean Green gets, you know, 12 to 15 carries a game is, is, you know, a legitimate thing. And, you know, people worry about like Bernard Pierce eating into Ray Rice's um, uh, workload. I would worry much, much more about Sean Green eating into Chris Johnson's. Oh, it's interesting. I, I, uh, I actually was talking to Wesling a little bit on Twitter, and he, uh, you know, I was saying that I didn't agree necessarily with the price tag that they that Tennessee paid for for Sean Green, and he kind of owned me. He was just. He just got all. I mean, he he was correct with what he said, and <laughs> and then I did read that article, and and it it makes it it just made a lot of sense as to why uh, Tennessee went after Sean Green. So yeah. I, we kind of got off topic a little bit there, but we're still yeah. spitting some knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> a doubtful. Um. So let's see another. An- oh, another question. Our buddy uh, Nick Radakanu. Rat Rad- Is that how you say it? I believe so. Sorry, you Nick. guys know him as as Trader X. Trader X and at Fantasy Trade Four One One. He's our buddy Nick. Um, he had a really interesting question that a lot of people commented on and wanted us to answer. Uh, he said, "If I made you go stars and scrubs and spend your entire budget on three running backs, who would they be? Mm. And then who would be some of the one dollar quarterback, wide receivers, and tight ends?" So this is a pretty pretty loaded question. It's pretty Oof. tough to. I mean, we he sent it maybe like a half hour ago. Yeah, but. Um, I'll go first if you want me to. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I think that the three running backs I would go for, I'd go with Doug Martin, Jamal Charles, and either LaShawn McCoy, probably LaShawn McCoy. I would stay away. Uh, I don't know. It, it's either him or Spiller. So I, I'll give you four running backs. Doug, Doug Martin, Jamal Charles, CJ Spiller, and LaShawn McCoy. Those four guys. The reason I'm throwing Spiller in there is because he's got the – craziest reward out of any of the running backs being drafted in the first round um so those are those are pick three of those four i'd go with that yeah um and then if i'm going with with cheap wide receivers and cheap uh tight ends and quarterbacks some wide receivers that i'd target brian hartline um ryan broyles um who else would i look at reuben randall um, probably Alshon Jeffrey. I know that you're probably going to say the same with that too. Um, and then definitely, definitely Vincent Brown. I don't know if they would all go for a dollar. They probably wouldn't, but those are just some of the later round guys. And then quarterback, I think we've talked about our late round quarterbacks enough, but, um, and we can get into actually one of them. This might be a good time to talk about Matt Schaub. Um, yeah, your, your boy all of a sudden. My new boy. Oh yeah. my gosh. So, I was digging into the analytics over at Numberfire, and and Matt Schaub scored incredibly well. And you know, I looked into it more and more, and it, it's crazy to see, you know, Houston obviously pounded the ball last year. Matt Schaub still had, I think, like 570 attempts last season. Mm. Um, I think that he's just he's not a very sexy pick, so he gets he gets thrown under 
Uh, you just people don't really think about them. You know, they'd rather go after the Sam Bradfords or the Ryan Tannehills because they're younger and they're more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Schaub wasn't anything special last year. I think he finishes like a QB eighteen or something like that. But the one thing that was crazy was how Houston. You know, they did run the ball a lot, but they didn't run the ball well. And from an from an effectiveness standpoint, and and they threw the ball very well. Matt Schaub ranked in the top ten. And in throwing effectiveness, I think he was number eight. And so it's not to say that Schaub is automatically going to be catapulted into, you know, QB one territory, but the fact that they went out and got DeAndre Hopkins shows us that maybe when they're in the red zone, they might be thinking pass a little bit more than they did last year, which obviously could hurt Arian Foster's uh, numbers a bit, but I don't think it's going to hurt significantly enough. But, but I think what it does is that it, it shows that, it, Houston is capable of uh, throwing the throwing the football uh, effectively, and even though um, effectiveness, as as I've I've said, you know the efficiency does not necessarily translate to fantasy success. Um, Matt Schaub threw the ball, like I said, 570 ish times last year, and that's plenty of opportunity to do well in fantasy. So with DeAndre Hopkins there, they already have Owen Daniels and Andre Johnson. They're in a they're in a must win year uh, kind of situation in Houston. Matt Schaub is climbing on my rankings. I think that he's a great QB two to snag uh, in your drafts. Yeah, a streamable streamable guy for sure. Right, and you don't. I mean, you don't have to pay QB one dollars. Like I said, and I'm still a big advocate of getting the Romo or the Lux this year. Um, you know, especially Romo uh, late in your drafts in the seventh to ninth round. Um, but if we're talking cheap quarterbacks, I think Schaub has to be a guy that you target. I just, he's, it, it's crazy, but um, I think that we often just get very uh, distracted by the shiny objects. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I mean, Schaub's a guy, if he throws it 600 times, which is not that much more than he did in 2012, um, could, you know, possibly be, be an every week option. I, I I wouldn't doubt that, and I think your article really shined a light on that. I, I think you know the this, sort of the, this weekly discovery of more late round quarterback options just validates the strategy, right? Um, you know, because it's 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 not like you and I are talking about the same two or three late round quarterback options week in and week out. Where it's that's not happening at all. It, it it's just expanding the universe of late round options at quarterback and tight end it, it just only expands you know right um six weeks ago i didn't hear anything about andy dalton on twitter all of a sudden it's andy dalton all day andy dalton's yeah. late round option uh, yeah. you know eight weeks ago on twitter josh freeman had you know had been you know benched it was playing in the arena league now right. he's a legit late round option he's got to be drafted with a late round flyer you know you have cutler you have alex smith you have Tannehill. Um, you know, a little higher up, you have the Romos and the Lux. I, I just, I, I, uh, I just think that it's encouraging to anyone who, you know, sort of abides by this system uh, that that there are so many, and now you know, add shops to the list. Right, and it just goes that that is the whole point of the strategy too, is that it's flexible. This is the second time we talked about flexibility tonight, but it's true. That's the that's what you need to be in fantasy football. But this is more this is more so flexibility post draft in that, you know, if Matt Schaub doesn't pan out, that's fine. Like you said, there's tons and tons of quarterbacks that you can pick up. Yeah. And 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 rather than rather than trying to get Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees at the beginning of my draft, I'm loading up on on the running backs that are very difficult to replace once the season starts. Exactly. Uh, another guy, and I'll just be quick with this, um, is I know people will. LOL at this, but uh, Brandon Whedon in in right. that listen in 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 that uh, Norv Turner Chud attack in Cleveland um, with um, you know with, with Josh Gordon when he comes back from his suspension. Um, I know I know Greg Little is not some great talent, but he did really improve down the stretch last year with Jordan Cameron with, with the. Um, you know they, they're incorporating more of what Whedon did um, in in college. Um, especially in the shotgun formation, uh, I, I think that um, that he's another guy who, you, you, listen, you, you don't have to draft him because probably, and if you're in a 12-team snake draft league, redraft league, nobody's going to draft him. 
but he's going to be there when you need him, and I think that he could be a legit option to go along with the other six, seven, eight, nine guys. Yeah, one of my one of the the one things that I try to preach is the fact that the waiver wire, as long as you you know you don't have to spend a significant amount of money uh, on your waiver wire, the waiver wire is essentially your bench. I mean, the, the guys on the waiver wire. You can consider them part of your team in a way, mm-hmm. and when your needs are different than the needs of everyone else in your league, and so if you go late round quarterback, your needs are potentially quarterback over running back because you've loaded up on running backs. That's not to say you don't go and pick up a a, a running back off the wire because they're still the hottest commodity and you can get a lot of value from them. Uh, but but I still think that you know you're you're going to be the guy that's going after Brandon Whedon, and everyone's going to everyone in your league is going to stare at you like you have something on your face. Right, right. So. But 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 he's going to you know be of service to you, and and right. they, listen, they're, they're not going to uh, put in a bid for Whedon or, or 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 try to take him off the wire because uh, you know they they drafted you know Colin Kaepernick in the fifth round. Right, and they're not going to draft. They're not. They're never going to bench Kaepernick and. You you really can't when you pay when you pay that sort of premium price for a uh, for a quarterback. Um, but getting getting back to uh, to Nick's um, yeah. question about the um, the running backs, I I don't really know how that how that format or how that like choice system would work with um, the uh, what, what do you call them studs and yeah I mean just the, essentially choose if you were to just blow your budget oh, okay. on three running backs, three yeah. elite running backs, how would you go, who would you choose? How would you go about doing that? Yeah. Well, I mean, to, you know, to be realistic, I mean, I would want uh, out of any three running backs, I would want, um, um, Adrian Peterson, um, Doug Martin and, and Jamal Charles. That probably wouldn't be possible. Um, but you know, in lieu of that, I would want, um, you know, uh, Martin Spiller and Forte, I guess, would be a realistic trio. I, I'm not saying that um, that I wouldn't want McCoy um, or Foster, you know, o- over a Forte, but I am saying that that those are three guys who I think would just, you know, represent an amazing trio of um, of running backs. And then, you know, there are lots of tight end uh, options that you could get for a dollar or two. Um, you know, maybe not Jordan Cameron because the hype train is in full force there, right. but certainly Rob Hausler, um, right. who is um, you know lining up as a wide receiver in in, in, in Cardinal camp. So um, you know they are going to use him um, as more than um, than just a standard kind of tight end that um, Bruce Arians hasn't used in the past. Um, um, I'm trying to think of other guys who who might be just maybe maybe a Kobe Fleener. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm higher. I think I'm higher than most on Fleener, but um, yeah, he's a he's a guy with a lot of upside that you can replace once the season starts. Sure, a uh, uh, Keller who you know Dustin Keller who we yeah. we talked about last week, a guy who could be Miami's only red zone red zone option. You know, yep. um, I I think there are at least five tight ends who you could get for really really cheap. Yeah, I agree. I think that's it for the questions. I mean, I know that we kind of bounced around with the uh, the auction draft thing, but it's you know there are a ton of different strategies. I'd recommend I'm going to promote the crap out of this right now, but I'd recommend that you go out and buy the uh, Roto World magazine because I did write a pretty sweet auction draft strategy article in it. If he does say so himself, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty sweet. Um. I guess real quick, let's talk about two guys that uh, you and I have done a lot of work on recently: um, David Wilson and Shane Vereen. Um, I think that they're two pretty uh, controversial players right now in fantasy. There's a lot of fluctuation with their ADP. There's a lot of fluctuation with their perception, um, and and it's 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 interesting. But we we both kind of dug into it and and. Um, wanted to see for ourselves what it was all about. So, do you want to you want to talk maybe about a minute or two about David Wilson and what you found? Yeah, um, you know, so like anybody um, with a life, I um, I spent a lot of <laughs> Saturday um, looking up the uh, <laughs> coaching histories of Tom Coughlin and Kevin Gilbride. I what mean, an awesome Saturday! Listen, listen, just like you do, you know. I mean. <laughs> You, you you wake up, you have a cup of coffee, and you look at every friggin' year Kevin Gilbride has been in the league. 
Um, That's right. Which is a long time, by the way. God almighty. Yeah, he was a Steelers. He was on the Steelers for a while with the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. And and um, so so I, I looked at, at their running back usage over their entire you know combined 207 years in, in the NFL. Yeah. Um, Maybe 209. Yeah, two and I'm sorry, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're such a stickler. I know. I'm sorry. Um, I like numbers. <laughs> and uh, so um, uh, Coughlin, uh, when he started off with the 1907, you know, Argonauts. I don't even. Is that a Canadian <laughs> team? I probably. But um, he. Um, wait, wait. Could you imagine listening to a Canadian <laughs> podcast <laughs> making fun of the NFL like that? I don't know, like the the, the 1907 Steelers. Right. Right. <laughs> like, how awful would you feel? Yeah. Right. I'm really sorry, Canadian fans. <laughs> um, Sal, the two QB at 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 two QB. I'm so sorry, Canadian. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, the so when he started with the Jaguars, and you know, from 1995 to 2002, he was all over the place with running back usage. There was no real way to like pinpoint exactly how he used running backs. Sometimes they were in committees. Uh, sometimes they definitely were not like like a few years with Fred Taylor where he just got every carry. Um, Gilbride was different. Um, Gilbride um, had a lot of uh, uh, timeshare backfields um, when he was um, a coordinator of the uh, offensive coordinator of the Oilers. Uh, you know, before and after he got punched in the face by um, uh, Buddy Ryan. So, um, uh, sorry, I got distracted. Um, <laughs> So there, there's there's that history in Houston. Then, uh, then he, <laughs> that happened. That right. I was like, look up that clip if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, that's good. Pretty I, good. I, yeah. Um, so uh, in in Buffalo and in Pittsburgh, um, he uh, Gilbride went straight. Uh, you know, one guy workhorse running back. Uh, uh, Jerome Bettis, uh, JJ's boy. Uh, got a million carries while uh, Gilbride was offensive coordinator of the Steelers and uh, Travis Henry, um, he of uh, 71 children. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> man, now that's a throwback. Hey, Travis that's, Hen- that's, there's our, there's our, there's our early 2000s throwback. Travis yeah. Henry, Travis Henry, kid jokes. I mean, come on. It's <laughs> incredible. He was, he was Antonio Cromartie before Antonio Cromartie. Right. I mean that, listen, that's a joke straight out of 2009. All right. Oh yeah, and I, I I just brought it back. So, uh, so he got all the carries in Buffalo. In fact, Drew Bledsoe was the second leading carrier. Ball oh my carrier. god, how many yards did he have? Uh, I think he had like thirty four carries for negative a hundred yards. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, and but but then in 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 New York, which is the most important, I think, uh, you know, examination of of this coaching history. Um, they, uh, Gilbride has been the offensive coordinator of the Giants for nine seasons, all of which uh, Coughlin has been the head coach. Uh, six of those nine seasons, um, the, those two coaches used a timeshare backfield. And uh, it's actually the six most recent seasons. Uh, so I think that that's a really important trend. You know, after Tiki Barber basically – uh, they went to some form of timeshare. Now it varied from year to year. Um, obviously, it's never going to be straight split down the middle. But uh, I think it's just important to note that um, you know, in the Bradshaw Jacobs era, uh, that they um, they never gave a, f- a full three hundred plus carry workload to one single running back. So when you look at Andre Brown and, and, and David Wilson. Um, I don't think you can peg either of them for a monster workload, but I think that only one of them needs a minimal workload to 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 produce, you know, in in fantasy and and to uh, you know live up to his ADP and, and exceed it, and that's Wilson. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. I mean, honestly, you think about. Andre Brown and you equate him in a way to Brandon Jacobs. No, I'm not saying that you did this, but just in general, you could equate him in a way to Brandon Jacobs, uh, depending on the year. Brandon Jacobs was great some years. Some years he was awful. But um, but then you look at, like, remember when they had Derek Ward? Derek Ward was a monster one year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he still got, uh, you know, probably close to, I think the one year, probably close to 200 carries. Um, but, but I think that that's a good point. I think that – but I, I think also – 
they both can be relevant in fantasy football. Mm-hmm. And I think from a talent perspective, uh, David Wilson, I think he shines in comparison to Andre Brown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I just I just think it's 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 mis- mistaken to to see Brown as as like you know as like a value on David Wilson because Brown can be had in the in the seventh round, and you know Wilson can be had in the third round, and that'll probably rise, I would guess. But uh, I, I just I just I think that when people say why would I spend a pick on David Wilson when I can just have Andre Brown? I, I just don't, I don't know if, if that, if that argument hold holds water. And I'm not saying Andre Brown will be worthless by any means. Right. Um, but, uh, like I pointed out in, in my article on sports jerks, you know, people are saying, you know what, at, at, at running back at the 28th running back off the board, um, Ryan Matthews is dead to me, but right. at, at the thirty fourth running back off the board, Andre Brown is my man. Right, and you know Ryan Matthews could potentially, as Mike McCoy said that this week, the head coach of the Chargers said, could be the man. That doesn't mean he's going to get three hundred carries, but he's going to get a hell of a lot more than Andre Brown potentially. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, in the end, uh, when the season ends. It could be that both David Wilson and Andre Brown both hit their ADP because the Giants could run that effectively. You never know. Yeah, yeah, just no, saying. No. Yeah, it, you know, it definitely. Listen, uh, I think it'll be well into training camp before we really get a grip on their true value. Um, but I, I just, I really think that that Wilson's the kind of guy who can can make a difference for a fantasy squad. With very minimal touches, you know, he he doesn't yeah. need twenty touches. Right, he's not he's like a spiller. Yeah, yeah. Let's say he's not going to get twenty touches, but he's he doesn't need them, and that's right. the important thing. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's great stuff. It's good to know. I think everyone needs to to check out that article, and and I mean, you've been you've been tweeting a lot about David Wilson, but it's all it's it's very um, good content to to read and kind of absorb so that you don't have to do the work yourself i'm just i'm just mounting my defense jj i'm against yeah. against against the uh the the anti-wilson forces of, I mean, of which there are many part of the struggle is that we have to have an opinion right now like a strong like not necessarily strong but we have to have a solid opinion right and, and clearly that opinion can change it'd be dumb if, if we sat here and said that we're not changing our opinions but people ask for our opinions on things and that is your opinion on that situation right now Exactly, and and as your opinion on the Patriots' backfield is a little different than than most. Yeah, so uh, I did some research yesterday and today, a lot of research on um, looking at Shane Vereen. So I was in a draft and, and I was talking to to Nick, uh, the owner of uh, Number Fire, and um, Shane Vereen won at at the last pick in the third round of a twelve team league, and it kind of blew my mind. Uh, because not not just because Shane Vereen got drafted, but more so that it was hype that got him to that point. And I mean, I don't know. Don't don't get me wrong here. This entire uh, everything I'm about, I'm about to say, I do think Shane Vereen is a is a good football player and has plenty of opportunities. So don't don't get me wrong. Um, I just don't think that his ADP is. In some leagues, I don't think that where he's being drafted really makes sense, which at times is the fourth round and even into the fifth round, I don't get it. So what I what I did was I looked at um, – I, I think that there's two main arguments uh, for Shane Vereen and his opportunity this year. The first one is that Danny, Danny Woodhead finished with a favorable uh, PPR ranking last year and Vereen is a better player, right? So if Vereen's a better player, then that's going to be even better than what Woodhead finished. And the second one is that with the loss of Aaron Hernandez, as well as other weapons, um, the Patriots are going to be forced to use Vereen as a wide receiver. So that first point about Danny Woodhead, I went and I looked at some data to see just how effective Danny Woodhead was and if Shane Vereen has been more effective or less effective. And I was very, very surprised to see that Danny Woodhead has been one of the more efficient runners in a way, uh, in the league, and and 
don't take that the wrong way. There's a lot of factors that go into that, such as him playing in the in the favorable Patriots offense and him um, in the fact that, that he's a backup. So backups are generally going to score better that way because defenses aren't necessarily prepared for them to run the ball. So when they do run the ball, say on third down, you know, they're they're going against dime packages, so it's it's just not difficult to, to run against. But but it was interesting because Shane Vereen still kind of had a similar role in a way uh, the last two seasons in New England when he, when he did play, and his scores weren't as good as Danny Woodhead's. And and all I'm trying to say is that I think Danny Woodhead might be a little bit underrated in that Patriots offense. Um, and that, that could be a little scary with him being kind of a sleeper in San Diego. There's a possibility that, you know, maybe he does, it doesn't translate as well because he did so well in New England. So maybe those numbers from New England won't necessarily go directly to San Diego. But that's beside the point. Um, so what I found in short was that Woodhead's figures were actually better than Vereen's and it projected to be, and Vereen's did not project to necessarily be better than what Woodhead did uh, as a runner and receiver in New England. So the other thing that I looked at was was Vereen as a receiver. And I, I took a look at Woodhead's targets, uh, which he had 55 last year, which was 16th among, run, among running backs. And I realized that even if, da- even if Shane Vereen gets 50% more targets than Woodhead did last year, his stat line, I mean, it looks great, but given the fact that he's not the, the number one runner in New England, that's definitely Stephen Ridley's job, and there's no there's no uh, doubting that. Uh, given that fact, his his ADP, though his receiving numbers are, are very good, uh, if he gets 50% more targets, his ADP reflects his ceiling in a way because he's not going to get the runs that other guys at that ADP, like a Chris Ivory, uh, is, is going to get. So, it, it kind of in conclusion, you know, if you really do believe that Shane Vereen uh, can can get a significant more targets, you know, if he can reach 90 to 100 targets, uh, and if you think that he's going to be a bigger part of the ground game, then sure, get him in the fourth round. But to me, the position is deeper this year, so there's more value in the fourth round and into the fifth round. And and after doing this this research on it, I, I don't see the reason to get Shane Vereen that early. I think that maybe a sixth-round ADP makes sense, um, and I know that that's how it's been averaging out on some sites, but there are still plenty of mock drafts where he's going in the fourth and fifth round. Even on ESPN, he went in the early fourth round uh, with their expert mock. So to me, I, I think that Vereen's real value is in the sixth round, not you know in the fourth where he's been drafted. All right. Uh, we actually, uh, a few minutes ago, we, we got a, a question about um, auctions on, on Twitter, if you just want to address this real quick. Um, uh, Aaron Messing has a... Um, uh, a, a question uh, about auction keeper uh, is it yeah. is it better to keep uh, two third round um, third round values uh, for less around five or six dollars or a first round uh, for twenty five to thirty one? I guess that depends on who you're talking about. Right. Um, if well, he I think he has what does he have Miller and Wilson here. Yeah, I don't know if that means that he actually owns them. Yeah, you're right. I don't think it does either. But, I mean, if we're talking about <clears throat> Miller Wilson for 5-6 to six, and Doug Martin and Trent Richardson for 25-30-ish, to 30-ish, I mean, if Trent Richardson is healthy, then I'm, I'm all for keeping those, those two. Um, yeah, I think that you have to really play, since it is a keeper league, or I'm assuming it's keeper league because you're keeping them, you have to look at who's available uh, at draft time, and if you can get a replacement guy to take, you know, if <clears throat> if someone's not keeping LaShawn McCoy, and you know that you can get LaShawn McCoy, then I would keep the lesser player, which is Lamar Miller or David Wilson, and then draft LaShawn McCoy. Mm-hmm. But but I think that you're right, and that you go with the safer bet because it still it still looks like it's it'd be a value to keep uh, one of those elite running backs. Right. I think that's all we had on on the on the Twitter. Nice. So I think we got through everything except our ranting. Do you have a rant ready? I I do, I do. But you you go first. I went first last. Okay. All right. I'll go first. <clears throat> I'll clear my throat after my long Vereen talk. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I learned more about Danny Woodhead in that article than <laughs> than I ever have 
in my life, and that's that's, Ever. that's really saying something because I'm 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 a real degenerate. So that was I, I couldn't believe that I looked at Danny Woodhead's numbers as closely as I did. Anyway, <laughs> so tonight I'm going to rant about stat ex- extrapolation. Mm. It's a fun thing to do. I understand that. And I understand that looking at someone like Joe Flacco and his playoff games and stretching them across 16 games, uh, a 16-game season is, is fun. And Joe Flacco does look like a god when you do that. But you, but can you please realize that you shouldn't make honest conclusions when you're not doing that or when you're done doing that? I mean, can we please just realize that the sample size of three to four games is not a way to get an honest projection? I mean, you can certainly find trends to help, and you can say, oh, Joe Flacco got better towards the end of the season. But to assume that Joe Flacco is going to keep up that rate into the regular season after an offseason, after players leaving the offense, after change in any way, after the fact that he's probably not going to play like a god, and I did just call Joe Flacco a god. (laughs) it's, It's not a way to do projections and it's not a strong way to project how a player will do so i just want to throw it out there stratic stat extrapolation do away with it but still you can look at you know you can obviously look at a few games and say wow this guy did really well maybe there's something to that but don't think that that's the way that it's going to be throughout an entire 16 game season yeah well i mean you're basically taking a a a non-existent sample size and just stretching it out over the course of a whole season and saying Hey, look! If th- if this guy did what he did in those three games over over a whole six month season, then he's gonna you know he's gonna score seven hundred and fifteen fantasy points. You know, like right? Okay, I mean that that's not going to happen. So right, and the problem too is that the season is a small sample size. Yeah. So yeah. Well, my rant will be uh. Uh, short and sweet it has to do with that flexibility um we talked about and not the hamstring stretches that jj and i do before the podcast Um, (laughs) but the uh but actually just being flexible on how you value players um it's you know it's still mid-july training camps haven't started i mean you guys remember how much things change during training camp right Randall Cobb went from an unknown flyer in the deepest of degenerate fantasy leagues to, you know, like a like a like a mid round, uh, you know, sleeper receiver in a lot of in a lot of leagues just in training camp last year. Um, So a lot of things, so much will change. I think that it's it's just a a little crazy that you know I I see on Twitter every day people kind of going bananas about um you know how how they how they favor certain players and have crossed off other players off their draft list um that's uh that's not helpful to you or to me or to anyone right now so just uh you know keep an open mind on players who you you hate or love right now and see how things shake out in the next four to six weeks because you know from from past experience it Things change drastically this time of year. I know there's nothing to talk about right now, so there's a temptation to just rant and rave about um, about, about these these players, any any player, and how you uh, you know value them or don't value them. Uh, but um, you know, stay loose, Twitter world, stay loose and uh, <laughs> and uh, stretch your hamstrings because man, things are going to change in the next few weeks. That was a that was a great with an eight podcast. That was a great with an eight podcast. I think I think I think we need to have a tweet with a great with great with an eight. I think so too, and I think it's time that we g r e a t some milkshakes. <laughs> Don't Google that, by the way. But yes, I, I agree. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, that's it, guys. Uh, JJ Zacharyson, you can find me at Late Round QB, and now on NumberFire.com. Denny, and you, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at CDCarter13. Uh, I write for sportsjerks.net, uh, thefakefootball.com, and 4for4.com. Uh, I, uh, I will be uh, pumping out a bunch of articles in the, in the next few weeks. Actually, I have an article on um, brojackson.com, which is an excellent 
Nice. Cult- yes. Yeah, cultural uh, uh, sports site um, that you should definitely check out if you don't hate reading really interesting stuff. Uh, I have a, an article tomorrow explaining why I wrote my book, How to Think Like a Fantasy Football Winner. So if you want to check nice. that out, please do. Uh, and, um, you know, buy my book if you want me to feed my kid. But if not, then don't worry. It's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think I saw. I think I saw on Facebook that he just turned seven months old, and the only reason he was able to was because of the book sales. <laughs> that's right. Thank God. Thank God for them. <laughs> Man, on that note, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the Internet Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long. It's fast. Oh,